This should be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And welcome, everyone. Hour number two of two officially underway here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. T minus seven hours and 56 minutes away from kickoff. For the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, eight hours and 26 minutes away from the start of LSU and Southern, and damn near 24 hours away from the start of the Saints at the Falcons. Football is officially back. I'm loving life right about now on a Louisiana Saturday morning. And if you want to call us up, 337-706-0111-337-706-0111. And now it's time to do something I like to do at the top of every hour. For those that don't necessarily know me well enough, I love gambling. I love sports betting. So why not get right down to brass tacks about what I think are the five things you need to put some money on. Again, full disclosure, I'm not held responsible for any losses. Because they happen more often than not. Don't believe me. Look at my track record. I do get some L's, especially on parlays. But we'll break that down right here, right now, with my fave five picks to click. The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20. Hit me 21. Hit me 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Kind of recap last weekend to start off this hour. Arkansas, they take down Cincinnati 31-24. That, well, 34-31, excuse me. That was easy money to take the Arkansas money line on. Florida. I had the upset against Utah. That one, that leg hit. Then you've got Liberty at minus three and a half. That fell apart, as well as the over-under, the over four and a half strikeouts with Corey Kluber. He threw four. He threw four. So it was under four and a half strikeouts. Absolutely brutal beat there. So, yeah, we're done with MLB for the time being. So I've got a five-leg parlay for you this weekend that if it hits off a $5 bet, you're going to net, wait for it, $126.98. Now, how does that happen? We're going to break it down for you. Because we'll start off with Arkansas State against Ohio State. The Buckeyes are 44-point favorites right now, or at least when I put down the bet last night, because I was definitely feeling my oats last night when I saw this. I had one more I'll throw in there as well. I was thinking about taking Texas at plus 20 and a half against Alabama. 
But then I remembered it's the Saban Revenge Tour, so I kind of just took that off and put this game on instead. Because 44, a 44 point spread, that is wide, that's Grand Canyon wide, and there's no doubt in my mind that that feels like an easy pick to click. Because again, Ohio State could be calling off the dogs at one point, and it winds up being a little bit closer than some would expect, and that could lead to a bad beat for the Ohio State betters out there. And that's an 11 o'clock game. Later on tonight in the Conference of Dixie, you've got Kentucky and Florida squaring off. I've got Florida at minus six. That's at minus 105 odds. i got to take them getting the win. They were able to eke out a win against the Utes. I think they can handle Kentucky, and I think they do cover a six-point spread. Then we go to North Carolina with Georgia State 11 o'clock kick. And last week, if you didn't see it, they were damn near racing for 100 points between North Carolina and App State. If And I said it on Twitter after the game. I am I would gladly take the over in every single game North Carolina plays going forward. And over 64 and a half, that feels like easy money. That might just be over 64 and a half on one side of the field. That's North Carolina more likely than not. Because I, I, I want to see how Georgia State does in that ball game, though. Then we go with two NFL picks. And we're going to go with the New England Patriots at minus 115 on the plus three and a half point spread. I think the Patriots win outright. I'll say that first off. I think the Patriots do win outright in this contest tonight. So that's kind of where I land on that spectrum. Now, the last leg of the parlay is the Cincinnati Bengals against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Opening up the season, you've got Mitch Trubisky. I feel like this offensive line of the Bengals is much improved. Jamar Chase is going to pop off. Give me the Bengals at minus six and a half. Again, if they win by a touchdown, that is a win for your boy. And trust me, I feel like this parlay has legs. Well, quite literally, it has five legs, but I think it's got some potential to cash a decent ticket. But here's some other bets that I have in mind. And one of them is Denver Broncos straight up at minus 260. There's a, I put $10 on that against the Seahawks this Sunday. And if they're up by 10, it automatically cashes. Again, just a couple DraftKings I'm throwing in there. Then also the Carolina Panthers at minus 140 over the Cleveland Browns straight up. I think that's an easy thing to cash there. Also had a – so basically what I've done over the last few days is th- throw down some single bets because I don't do that many of them anymore because, honestly, it's it's tough to hit on parlay. Sometimes you're hedging your bets, and that's what I did this past weekend was when I knew the Corey Kluber bet was dead, I decided to throw down on odds, wound up getting an odds boost on minus 135 Florida. I think this was around halftime. Place the bet around eight o'clock. Whenever Florida was start was in the lead, but it looked like they were gonna wind up running away with it. That wound up cashing 21-11 Florida money line straight up. So I, I wound up winning that. Then I wind up winning Thursday night with the 
bet of Buffalo Bills at minus 135 against the Rams, the money line again, and they have that early win cash, which was kind of cool, I'm not going to lie. So I'd gladly take that. I also wound up having a win, a really nice one at that, live with Clemson at minus 21.5. That one I sweated out, like a lot of people, minus 21.5, that cash on the, on the $20. And then I wound up like being part of these pools that DraftKings has. And this is not a sponsorship. This is more me acknowledging their free pools. They had AW all out, and I wound up hitting every single thing of that right. And I hit another, I got one up winning like $75 just in free play money. That was like mind blowing to me. But enough about that. Let's get to some other games of note, especially locally. I said it earlier, we're seven hours away, a little more than, a little less than eight hours removed from a big ball game against, between the UL Raging Cajuns, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, excuse me, and Eastern Michigan. I hate the fact that sportsbooks still have Louisiana Lafayette because that's not what they call themselves. But that's a different conversation. Cajuns currently at 11-point favorites in this contest and then the over-unders at 56. If it were me personally, I would gladly put plus 11 on Eastern Michigan to cover that spread. I don't think this is going to be a two-touchdown game. I think it's going to be closer. Could be wrong on that. And I'll take the I'll take the under on that. Based on what I saw, 24 to 7, I don't think they're gonna load the full clip. I could be completely wrong, and it does hit the over and Cajun's cover. But plus eleven, it's a little it's a little iffy. So I'm I'm not necessarily like dead set on that plus eleven. A lot like I am with Arkansas State. That'd be if I was a betting person on that game, but I try not to bet on favorites. I'm going to tell you why I'm contradicting that in just a moment. But if you want to call, give us a dial at 337-706-0111. So, yeah, that's what's going on. LSU Southern, that's minus 45-point favorites or LSU over-under at 57 I got to think that's a plus 45 for Southern. I feel like LSU could – that could be a a backdoor cover there. Then we get to the Saints-Falcons. This is the final – like, I am not going to do this often this year, but I feel like the season opener, especially against the Falcons, this feels like the opportunity to hammer a $5 parlay on a team I support. I'm contradicting myself to hell, but guess what? I'm going to wind up saying it right now. Here's my $5 parlay on the Saints. If this hits, it's $53.75. I'm going to break it down for you. And I did this on Thursday night, right around 7.30. So we have Saints straight up against the Falcons. That feels easy. Alvin Kamara, anytime touchdown scorer. Pitts, anytime touchdown scorer. 45 or more alternate rushing yards for Alvin Kamara and over 169.5 passing yards for Jameis Winston. That feels like a damn near lock if there ever was one. I could be completely off base with this, but it feels like that's where it's at. 
I mean, Alvin Kamara's at minus 130 right now for any time touchdown score. And then you've got Kyle Pitts at plus 170. Michael Thomas is plus 150, but I feel like the more we don't know about, about Michael Thomas, I think those odds will go down significantly. So I'd probably put money on Kyle Pitts getting a touchdown reception. Cordell Patterson is also a solid one at plus 140. The line, though, is where it's interesting. At five, minus five and a half. How does the Saints defense look? How does Jameis Winston adapt to an offensive line that feels like it's kind of being held together by bits of string without you know, Trevor Penning, the rookie, James Hurst, how his, how his status is, getting some guys off practice squads from the Bills, how all that works out. Because, again, the offensive line feels like it's being held together by tape at this point in time. The over under 43, I think the over does cash here because you've got a explosive offense in the Saints and you've got a decent wide receiving core in the Falcons. But how much do you trust Marcus Mariota? Over is is tough, but again, I always would like to go on the money line if I'm doing a parlay, a, a SGP parlay. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to get into some of my thoughts on Thursday night football and just some overall week one thoughts and my NFL division picks. I think I did those a few weeks ago, but I just want to refresh your memory about how I see things going in the NFL before we get this season officially underway on Sunday. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me, 20. Hit me, 21. Hit me, 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. We did the Fay 5 picks to click already. What happens when you make the changes to some, you know, segments? You wind up having the rejoins all shuffled about, but we're, we're going to get that right in the near future. Appreciate everybody for listening into the program right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Going to have Ross Jackson on in about 10 minutes. Talk about the New Orleans Saints heading into a massive season opener against the Atlanta Falcons. Talked about that a little bit and what I thought some of the betting lines landed on for the black and gold. Definitely be a lot of fun to see that go down this weekend. But I want to kind of get to some NFL thoughts real quick before we take our next time out. Because I am absolutely thinking that what we saw with Rams, Bills, like it's cliche as all get out. But damn it, that felt like the definitive, like, bookending of a season. Bills Rams, I think, could be a rematch in the Super Bowl in 2023. I think there's no doubt in my mind that's a thing that could happen in 20 in this 2022-23 season. The Bills looked 
untouchable. And it's so difficult for a team to go coast to coast. The Bills aren't evidence of that. Because remember a couple years ago, they had a big game after they started off undefeated, playing the Rams, and lost a nail-biter. So it's it's a prime example of having to do the trip from Buffalo to Los Angeles. It's tough on the body. It's just tough in general because of the jet lag. Like if you've ever gone on a flight, it's there's always jet lag, and that's just going. Let's just say, I had a good friend of mine who works here. He actually wound up going up to Connecticut last week. He probably dealt with jet lag, and that's only going across really one time zone. Try going over. Not one, not two, but three. You're going from Eastern time to Central, Mountain time, Pacific. That's going to wear your ass out. And making that adjustment, making that adjustment, you're making probably more or less a day out of it, especially on a Thursday night game, the first one of the year. But Josh Allen and crew, they were more than ready for that challenge. And they stepped up in a huge way. Against the Rams team, that, yes, you had backup running backs in there because Cam Akers was hurt, all that stuff. But that was still a damn impressive ball game from a team that I think a lot of people have been sleeping on. And I think that to a certain extent, I'd agree with them. Because there's something to be said in a Bills team getting a nice, solid win over the Rams. I think that puts them firmly in that place where if I were doing it, I did a tier list a few weeks ago, and I think the Bills are absolutely the class of the AFC. I don't think they steamroll the AFCs. I think the only team that could really be a hindrance is the Patriots because they are the Patriots. And when the Pats and Bills face off, it's always kind of a coin flip. But I think the Bills win the AFC East. I think the West is the most intriguing because you've got, number one, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. Can they kind of continue to hold dominion over a division that is growing in difficulty? You've got the Broncos. Russell Wilson, Broncos country, Les Ride. How does that team look? You've got the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert. He's starting to come into his own. The game, a lot like Burrow, is starting to slow down for him. And then you have the Raiders. That division is going to cannibalize itself, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs do indeed come out on top. And honestly, I think we get one or both of these two teams in the Broncos and Chargers in the playoffs. I can be completely wrong, but that's just the way it feels to me. AFC North, I think it's a lot more clear-cut, but I wonder how much... People are over, like, selling the idea of Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. I saw a lot of people on social media recently picking the Baltimore Ravens, winning the North. When you've got the Bengals sitting right there, like, literally, a Bengals team with a new offensive line, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, all those players. That is a recipe for great potential. Yes, the Super Bowl hangover is a thing. But I wonder if a team like the Bengals, who lost a heartbreaker, who lost a tough one, 
don't learn from that and build upon it. And I think the AFC North is going to be a tough division, but not nearly as difficult as it was last year. I think the Ravens are probably going to be second in the division, maybe eke out a wild card spot. Then you got the Browns and Steelers. That's kind of how I see the order of operations going, at least right now today. Mitch Trubisky's got to prove to me something. Now, I think probably by the end of the year, Kenny Pickett will be the starting quarterback, probably by midway through the season. They won't be following the full Kansas City model there. Then you've got the South, where I think we'll see the, the Colts and Titans really battle it out for who winds up coming out of that tank division like the NFC East is, the AFC South to a certain extent is because you've got the Colts and the Jaguars. And the Jaguars have potential. You've gotten rid of Urban Meyer and his BS, but at the same time, it's run by the Khan family who have very much have shown maybe they don't necessarily know how to run a sports team or a wrestling company. That's a different conversation for a different podcast. And that's the Cajun Strong Style podcast, which is the game's exclusive podcast about pro wrestling. Give it a listen if you like that kind of stuff. But again, I think the Titans and Colts are going to be the two teams that are going to be fighting it out for a playoff spot and, more importantly, winning the division. NFC East, I'll go a little bit bolder here, and I think we see the Eagles come out of, come out of that division and then the Cowboys eke out probably the last wild card spot. The NFC West, I'm going to lean with the Rams to retain the NFC West championship. And I think we go with the 49ers right behind them. The Cardinals and the Seahawks will be at the bottom. They are in tank mode. NFC North, I think it's the Packers, but it's going to be a lot closer. Team that I think is going to be most improved in 2022, at least I hope, is going to be the Detroit Lions. I think they'll move up and kind of make things more competitive on paper. So I'll go with Packers winning. Their division, I don't think a team comes out of the North in the wildcard rounds. I can be wrong. It just depends how certain teams work out. Now we go to the NFC South, which has been probably one of the most varied responses I've seen in terms of how media perspective is. People are absolutely like, McDonald's, I'm loving it with Baker Mayfield and this Panthers team. And honestly, I don't see it. I don't see a Carolina Panthers team that's going to make a playoffs. I don't see a Carolina Panthers team that's going to win more than eight games. So, not just no, but hell no on that. The Buccaneers are very much a team that's everybody's just picking because it's Tom bleeping Brady, but it's Tom bleeping Brady at 40 bleeping five, and he has an absolute bleep show of an offensive line. He's going to get torn up, chewed up, and spit out. And he's probably going to be asking for Giselle to take him back like he's Bill Dotrieve and Giselle's Lenore. How about that King of the Hill reference for you right there? Then we go to the New Orleans Football Saints. I think they take that division by storm. You've got an elite receiving core. Even without Michael Thomas, even without Michael Thomas, you've got Chris Olave and Juice. You've got two good to great wide receivers. Having Michael Thomas back is Lanyap or Lanyap, depending on what side of the interstate you're from. 
So give me the Saints winning the NFC South, and it's not even close. Now, I did a parlay on it a while back. That if it hits, I wind up winning like $400. But as long as the Saints win the division and make it to the playoffs, I don't give a bleep what else happens. I think the the, the Buccaneers could be a team that gets into the playoffs and gets into the wild card spot. If I'm being honest, I think we see the Cowboys, the 49ers, and the Buccaneers in the wild card spots when it's all said and done. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how that all plays out right there. But I still think there's going to be a lot of fun to be had this weekend, especially if you're a sports betting aficionado or, as I like to call it, a degenerate, because I'm looking forward to talking all that and more as the weeks progress, because I'm starting to kind of get into that groove. This is the first full season of sports betting we have here in the state of Louisiana. And I'm a person who's been wanting this pre, like well before COVID. And it's not just because I like it, but I understand the importance of having it. Because you can about imagine how many people would have loved to have had odds on. And also, it's just such a money windfall for the state. We need it. We need it, to be honest with you, especially with how gas prices have been fluctuating like crazy. It's been a damn near yo-yo diet, if you will. But that's a different conversation on a different station. We're going to get, go ahead and take a quick timeout, talk with Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and Saints Wire about what's going on with that team heading into a big ball game to open up the season against the Atlanta Falcons. Next, right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are laughing. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. And damn, it feels good to hear that, especially on the day before the Saints open up the regular season. And that means also we get to talk with our guy, Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast and also contributor for the Saints Wire part of the USA Today Network, Ross how you doing, brother? Hey, buddy. Doing great. Glad to be back here with you chatting uh, right before uh, a New Orleans Saints game day, man. We're here. The NFL season's finally kicked off. And you're actually out there, right, in Atlanta? Yeah, I'm looking at Mercedes-Benz Stadium as I'm speaking with you. Like when I woke up, the, when I woke like up this morning. kind of like sorry? Chinese food takeout container. Dude, it's, it's a big metal one. It's just a weird, <laughs> weird building. It's, it's one of the weirdest ones out there. But when I saw – I woke up this morning – that was one of the first things I saw was the picture, Know Thy Enemy. I was like, you're out there staring right at it. It's just right there, and you can't wait to see the Falcons wind up losing to open up the season. That would be the, the icing <laughs> on the cake on a great weekend out in the ATL, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I've mentioned this before, but I, I 
don't think there's anybody out there that can convince me that the New Orleans Saints aren't the better team taking the field this weekend when it comes to the game taking place at Mercedes-Benz Stadium across the way. And I think that the, the you know, there's a lot of things that can happen, right? It's a divisional game. Those are always weird. But in terms of opening up this season with a win for the New Orleans Saints, to me, it's very much in reality. And honestly, it's a great way to start the season to not only get a win, but get an NFC win, and more importantly, a divisional NFC South win as well. So first things first, let's talk about Michael Thomas. His hamstring injury that he's been dealing with, I think basically towards the end of the fall, towards the end of training camp and into the regular season, do you think he'll start this Sunday? So he sustained the hamstring injury coming off of the Green Bay Packers joint practices. So we haven't seen Michael Thomas since, if I'm getting the date correctly, August 22nd, I believe. Um, really out there, you know, um, uh, in terms of a full practice. However, throughout this week, we've seen him limited all three days, uh, Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And he's listed as questionable going into this game. With all of that taken into consideration, I would be astonished if Michael Thomas is not on the field on Sunday. Uh, I mean, from what we've seen from him in practice, he looks good. He looks ready to go. You know, we've seen him in the locker room. We've talked to him in the locker room. He does not look like he has not carried himself at all like a guy that got some bad news this week or anything like that. Every sign seems to be pointing to Michael Thomas taking the field on Sunday. Now, as we know, with all injuries, anything can happen. You know, we can't say anything with 100% positivity or certainty. But I would be surprised at this point unless there's any type of, you know, setback or anything like that that happens over the course of this weekend before the game begins if he's not out there on the field. That would it would be a massive disappointment, but when you look at the rest of the Saints wide receiver core, it's it's not like you're dealing with a Saints offensive wide receiver core of 2021 or even I'd say to a certain right. extent like 2016 where it felt like you were kind of picking guys up off the street to a certain extent reminiscent of Michael Lewis and the Beer Man back in the day. <laughs> but like it even if you're without Michael Thomas for this game, it shouldn't be that bad of a situation is what I'm getting at. Yeah, the New Orleans Saints wide receiver core was completely revamped over the course of this offseason. You know, the Saints got bad news around Michael Thomas, and Michael Thomas got bad news about his injury and everything uh, and the surgery that led to a follow-up corrective surgery all that last year. And you could feel – you felt very different when you got that news last year in 2021 with the receiving core that they had, which isn't – by any means, untalented, right? Deontay Hardy, Marquez Calloway, um, you, you know, these guys are, are, are talented receivers, but they were also plugging holes with guys like Chris Hogan and Ty Montgomery and Kenny Stills and, uh, and so on and so forth. And so I think this year going into a wide receiver or going into a season where you have wide receivers like Jarvis Landry, who was added over the course of the offseason, Chris Olave, who's set to be a rookie sensation this year, these guys that have been able to come in, and have you know you can imagine them having an immediate impact for the team. Um, you're in a very you're in a much better situation, I'd say, going into this year if Michael Thomas can't play the first game of the season, if that is the case. So right now, Ross Jackson, a host of the Locked On Saints podcast, and also a contributor for the Saints Wire part of USA Today. One of the other big question marks has to be the offensive line with a lot of guys out indefinitely. In the case of Trevor Penning, you also have. Landon Young, he's to be listed as questionable. Those are the two big highlights. And then you also had recently signed Eric McCoy to a long-term extension. What can you say about the offensive line heading into this? And is that the biggest kind of question mark you have this Sunday? 
Um, I, I think I think outside of you know, I have some questions over on the defense still, but but yeah, I think so. And I think specifically, my big question is that left tackle. Um, you know, I, I, James Hurst is going to be ready to go. Uh, James Hurst is very excited to get started, and I think that for the New Orleans Saints, who are returning four of their five starters from the last few years, they're in a good place there. But you also need to maintain the health uh, over you know across the offensive line. And so for me, the question isn't necessarily is James Hurst good enough. He is. The question is who's behind James Hurst if Landon Young can't you know go this weekend, and, and there's not that sort of built-in backup behind uh, behind James Hurst because the the issue and this is something the New Orleans Saints have you know had had issues with in the past is that you have one injury on in the offensive line but you end up upsetting two different positions because you end up having to move somebody else to a different position and then you have a backup come in for that player now the Saints can do that let's say you know something happens uh, you know in Let's just say James Hurst has to go tie his shoe for a couple of plays. You have a situation there to where you can move Andrews Pete to left tackle, perhaps, and then plug right guard or left guard rather with uh, Calvin Throckmorton, for instance. But you know they're they're back in a situation again to where if you have one stint of unavailability from any position on the offensive line outside of maybe right tackle, then you end up having to kind of upset you know different positions on the field, and so. That's kind of my biggest question is, is the depth. It does seem that Eric McCoy is going to be fine going into this game. Um, you know, it does seem that uh, Landon Young is one to watch going into this game. Hopefully he'll be able to go. But they should have their starters. The, the question is how do they make up for, uh, you know, any potentially missed snaps or anything like that without upsetting several positions along the offensive line and creating communication issues, unfamiliarity, things like that. Exactly, especially with how I think the Saints have kind of managed things on the offensive line in the past, where it feels a lot like hockey line shifts, mm-hmm. where you see like a, just a batch of guys go in and out, and that creates a lot of continuity issues, which I think is probably one of the most like core points when it comes to offensive line and building a great to elite offensive line is having that continuity, not just for mm-hmm. the three downs that you're potentially out there, but more importantly, to have that focus on for the entire ball game, not have it be line shifts or whatever, depending on what kind of formation you have. For sure, for sure. And, you know, look, you're getting more and more versatility rotation on the defensive line and defensive side of the ball across the NFL now. And as that happens, that demands a lot of your offensive line. And so the more experience that those guys have together, the more cohesive they're able to operate as a unit, the better they have the experience together to be able to adjust for, our, for you know this player playing three tech on one snap in the middle and then all of a sudden bouncing out to the end and then coming back into a two inside type technique. And so all the different things that these defensive linemen across the NFL are now able to do, your offensive line, having continuity, having cohesion is such an important part of it because stamina, fatigue, those things start to set in these defensive lines like the New Orleans Saints, for instance, that can rotate like crazy and you know keep legs fresh going into the fourth quarter. It's very different on the offensive side when you're you know 60 snaps in and you're the only center that's played or you're the only right tackle that's played, so on and so forth. And so when those things start to break down, the fundamentals have to set in, trust and communication have to set in, and that's why continuity is so important across the offensive line, uh, the unit uh, across the NFL. Were you surprised to see the Eric McCoy extension, the amount of money he was getting for this? No, not at all. I, I not 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 so much. I, I think Eric McCoy is one of the top centers in the NFL, and he's one of the top players on this New Orleans Saints roster. And so, you know, it, it was not a surprise to me to see 
the New Orleans Saints to make sure that they got that extension done. I think that it did also clarify for you a little bit more and maybe give a little bit more insight in terms of the decision to trade C.J. Gardner-Johnson away. Uh, you know, a situation there to where, you know, reportedly, according to Jeff Duncan over at NOLA.com, the Saints and C.J. Garner-Johnson may have been around $4 million apart in terms of their contract negotiations, I believe, yearly. And so, you know, that effectively indicates that C.J. Garner-Johnson and his team wanted safety money. The New Orleans Saints wanted to play slot, pay slot cornerback money. And that was money that, you know, they're not going to go above when it comes to what is relatively a lower impact position in comparison to something like safety or, or or outside corner or in this instance your starting center. The New Orleans Saints have made it look easy over the past, you know, decade or so going from, you know, good centers to uh, Max Unger going from Max Unger to Eric McCoy, but that's not the easiest position to continuously have turnover at. There's a lot that has to go in there. You have checks, you have um, you know, the protection calls that you have to make, you have, you know, players you have to identify, roles you have to identify, all those things that have to happen at the line of scrimmage. And then, of course, you have to be the guy that does everything cleanly in terms of your snap operation as well. He starts every single offensive play with the ball in his hands. You give that guy money if you find a really good one, and that's exactly what the New Orleans Saints did, and they did it at the age of 25. So, you know, a, a, a long future ahead for Eric McCoy uh, here with the New Orleans Saints. Cup more for Ross Jackson right now. And looking at the game this Sunday, I'm going to focus on Jameis Winston for a minute. How has his progress been? We saw him a little bit in the preseason finale, but in the run-up to this game, how have you seen him in practice? Yeah, I think he's he's looked really good in practice. Uh, you know, in the times that he's been able to be out there, I know that the, there was a, you know, a, a different injury that kind of kept him out for a little while. But you know, the, the the guy's a natural leader. The the players around him respond extremely well to him. He's great getting in and out of the snaps, so just in terms of the operation of the offense. He does all that really well. And this offense, he spent a lot. Excuse me, this off season, he spent a lot of time focusing on his ability to operate within five to fifteen yards, utilizing Alvin Kamara in the passing game, attacking defenses laterally as opposed to vertically, uh, and, and, and operating the New Orleans Saints offense the way that he is expected to do so. And, and, and what well, you know, the New Orleans Saints offense that we're accustomed to seeing with Pete Carmichael uh, at the helm. And so I, I would expect that this is still going to be a quarterback that's very comfortable going downfield, but is going to understand, as he's mentioned you know, years ago now, the idea of making the right decision is more important than making the big decision. And so, or making the right play is, is more important than making the big play. And so I, I think he's done a great job with that. He took over, I believe it was over 100 uh, team reps and, and had uh, over 100 uh, team passes in team reps and only threw two interceptions over the course of the entirety of camp. That's not a bad way to be. Uh, and so I, I think that he's been uh, excellent here throughout camp, and I'm looking forward to seeing him be able to translate it out onto the football field once the regular season begins tomorrow. Got one more for you, Ross, and I just want your overall thoughts on this before I let you go because I have a same-game parlay on the Saints-Falcons contest tomorrow. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to break it down for you and give you my, give me your thoughts on how what the likelihood of this thing cashing is on a scale of 1 to 10. Saints okay. money line versus Atlanta straight up. Alvin okay. Kamara anytime touchdown. Kyle uh-huh. Pitts anytime touchdown. Uh-huh. 45 or more Alvin Kamara alternate rushing yards and over 169 and a half passing yards for Winston. Ooh. Those are really solid. Those are really, really solid because I, I, the only thing that I would say is maybe the passing yards. I don't know. I mean, over 169 yards doesn't seem like that much of an ask. It, it, it really doesn't. Touchdown, right? Yeah, I, That's a really good. 
I think you're in a good place, dude. I, I'm going to give that a nine, maybe a ten. <laughs> if it hits, man, that's fifty-three seventy-five on a on a five-leg parlay, brother. I really hope it does because again, that that that'd be some really nice money to kind of keep feeding the beast, if you will. Yeah, that's that's. I mean. Uh, you versus that sports book. That's robbery by you, man. I, I think you're in a good place. <laughs> it, it's, it's how we roll, brother. It's how we roll. Appreciate you coming That's on, my smart, man. right? That's smart. <laughs> exactly. Appreciate you coming on, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the enjoy the game tomorrow. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you here soon. Take care. Stay safe and uh, enjoy the, the weekend of football. All right. Appreciate Ross Jackson. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson. Nola? So, yeah. For once, people agree with my take on – you know, my actual parlays. Now, mind you, he might be just being being nice because this guy is actually my friend. You know, I've had him on for about four years because I had him on. I was talking with D-Wit about it early on in the show. That I had him on back in 2018 before the Saints-Rams game when they absolutely blew their heads in. That was the first time I had him on. So from that point on, I've been able to develop a friendship with him and also just say, Anytime I ask him to come on, he's like, yeah, perfect. Let's do it. And I make sure to kind of work around his schedule and stuff because obviously he's out there traveling with the team. So sometimes things don't necessarily work out. But it's always good to have the convo with him. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, come back, wrap up the show with one final take right here on the game. 103.7 Live here at 104.1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 out in Lake Charles. Appreciate everybody listening into the show this week. Also, appreciate our guy, DeWitt, in the house on the ones and twos, the threes and the fours, making sure I stay in line and stay in check. Because again, like I, back in the day when the producers was going on for the early part of it, we had a producer back in the original incarnation of the show. At least, and I, I feel like canonically, I have always been part of this kind of setup. I've always ran the board towards the tail end of that and into the beginning of Under the Dome. I've only had one person produce a show, and that was only because I was out in Lake Charles back in May, which was a great event. Still one of my favorite moments, just being out and about Talking with McNeese head coach Gary Goff live in Lake Charles was a really cool experience. And also getting to hang with the Greg Gazzolo for an hour and just shoot the breeze was always fun. But having a producer, it's a little different for me, so I think we're getting the hang of it one weekend. So I think we'll bring you back for next Saturday, DeWitt. How about that on a Saturday? Gotta love to see it. But before we wrap up this show, one final take here on a Saturday morning, and it's all about the SEC. Because I think this SEC in 2022 is reminding me a lot of the SEC I saw eight years ago. Because if you remember that SEC in 2014, it was highly competitive, and more importantly, it was highly cannibalized. You had Mississippi State beat LSU, and they were number one ranked at one point. Think about that. Mississippi State 
ranked number one in the polls, in the first college football playoff poll ever. And then they disappeared off the face of the earth faster than the dodo bird. That's how quickly that thing disappeared. Now, I think we're in the same position. Because you've got Florida, you've got Georgia, who outclassed Oregon. Damn near, Thanos snapped them off the top 25 in a heartbeat, which I absolutely felt like they didn't belong in that list, but just were in there based off a name notoriety alone. Florida, they were the biggest mover and shaker in the top 25, beating Utah. But Utah, that was a game I felt like they were going to win, some because Utah always is a little bit overrated. Just those two teams alone, then you've got Texas A&M. As much as I hate that team, Texas A&M is going to be interesting to see how they work out. Then you have teams like LSU, how they kind of manage themselves. Lane Kiffin, the lane train, how they do over at Ole Miss. It's going to be a very competitive league in that top five, top eight. That, like, that top eight alone could be a hell of a playoff in my mind. But we can only have two representatives. I think we're going to get that again in 2023. That's kind of where I'm at. But I'm getting out of here. We're going to take you to Texas, Alabama right after I sign off here. And then we've got LSU football 4.30 pregame, 6.30 kick against Southern right here on the game. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. I'll see you next week.